this week's edition of Everything Fast Pitch, sponsored by Fast Pitch Prep. Don and I have got another great show for you this week, where we're going to start off with our shout-out section, which leads us into a topic about the amazing things that the game of Fast Pitch Softball can do. We're going to move into an interview where Don and I have started a new tradition this week. We're going to interview each other. So you'll get to hear my story this week and Don's story next, and then we'll wrap it up with our coaching tip of the week. So up first, we've got our shout out section sponsored by All Clear Plumbing. All Clear Plumbing is in the North Metro Atlanta area, and the phone number there is 770-627-2900. So Don, our shout out this week, our player of the week is Avery Kennedy. Avery is a middle schooler, eighth grader at Loganville Loganville Middle School. And uh, last week, Avery's team won their league championship where she posted a batting average of over 400 and a slugging percentage of over 1,200. So Avery, congratulations on being our Fast Pitch Prep Player of the Week. Up next is our topic. Our topic this week is the game of softball doing amazing things. One of the things that I've always been proud of is the things that you see the fast pitch world and the fast pitch community getting behind. I've got a personal story. Uh, We featured a young player on our social media platforms a couple of weeks ago. Her name is Kinley Johnson. And Kinley is a 10-year-old softball player who was stricken with a very serious form of cancer. Uh, On November 3rd, 2017, she was diagnosed with stage 5 medulloblastoma brain cancer. And uh, Kinley shortly thereafter uh, had to have surgery um, and has been on the long road back to recovery since then. The good news is that on June 22nd, Kinley found out that she's cancer-free. But the reality of it is, for her and her family, they've got a long road ahead of themselves. They have uh, medical bills that have piled up. Uh, Mom recently lost her job because um, she had to miss so much work and take so much time off that uh, her company just uh, needed to find somebody else that uh, was able to work on a more regular basis and didn't have the obstacles that um, that the Johnson family had. So I wanted us to talk about Kinley and some other things that have happened in the fast-pitch world where we see the game getting behind kids and getting behind people that are involved. Yeah, Tori, I know it it just breaks my heart to hear stories like that, but uh, obviously this one's taken a twist with... uh, uh, a little happier uh, ending or conclusion to that part of it, but uh, it's it's hard to even imagine the feelings that uh, we would have, you know, knowing that we had to work through something like that. So I'm excited to hear that she's doing better, and hopefully one day she'll get a chance to play ball again. And you know, I don't know how close she is to that part of uh, her journey, but uh, just thankful that she's doing better and. Hopefully through the podcast and through all the uh, work and efforts that people are are putting forward for her that uh, her family can work through that more comfortably. Well, there have been some things that have happened that I think are are very positive that set a pretty good example for us about things that the fast pitch community can do. A couple of weekends ago, Kinley was the guest of honor. uh, There's a 10U team that I help with. It's uh, uh, Viper Stewart, and that 10U team um, was in a tournament playing down in McDonough. It was a uh, USSA Atlanta fast pitch company tournament, and there were five or six 10U teams playing, and Kinley was basically the special guest, uh, came out and was 
was uh, asked to throw out the first pitch um, and uh, did a great job with that um, and was also kind of like the guest of honor and uh, uh, was basically adopted by the teams, uh, was in the dugouts, uh, you know, floating around talking to the different kids. And I think she's a little ways away from being ready to get back out on the field. But I think for her, having a chance to be back out there, uh, feeling like she was a part of it was a very special day. No, I think it's exciting when uh, our fast pitch families as teams get get behind things like this. And uh, again, it, it brings everybody a little bit tighter and closer together. But I'm thankful that, uh, you know, that they were able to do that for her. That was nice. Yeah. Well, what I would ask all of you to do is to take a second and check out the blog that I wrote about Kinley. Um, we uh, named her our player of the week a couple of weeks ago, September 23rd. But um, the moral to the story is on top of us recognizing her for uh, offering so much hope and, and toughness and a look into what uh, uh, players can accomplish when they have faith is a plea. And the plea is from me specifically. I'm asking everybody to get behind the Johns family. Uh, there's been a GoFundMe page created to try to help them with the challenges that they're facing financially because of Kinley's health situation. Um, you know, they've got enough medical bills piled up, I'm sure, to, um, you know, to, you know, to scare anybody that uh, would look at them. Um, and obviously, we want to do what we can to help. Originally, the idea was to raise enough money for them to have a you know a great Christmas and you know for um, you know a few hundred dollars to be raised so that mom and dad would be able to go out and, and buy their kids some Christmas presents this year because it's you know it's it's been a tough year but my challenge for all of you is let's take this to a whole nother level um, when you've been around the ballpark as much as you and I have been there's this crazy cheer I hear, and especially being around the young kids about, you know, come on, Don, do something crazy. Let's do something crazy. Well, I think our crazy in this situation is let's not just stop at a couple hundred bucks for Christmas. Let's stop at several thousand dollars to help them with the medical bills. Let's stop at several tens of thousands of dollars to really uh, help them, uh, you know, get back on their feet and, and to resolve some of the issues that I'm sure that they have hanging over their heads. If everybody who listens to this podcast would go to that GoFundMe page and donate a dollar or ten dollars or twenty dollars, we can make a huge difference in this family's life. And I've seen it happen before. I've seen the fast pitch community activate and get behind really important things. Um, not too long ago, you know, very tragic story with a young player. Uh, her name was Alex Wilcox, who passed away um, because of ovarian cancer. Was a player at the at Mississippi State University, and uh, that has created a movement of. Of tremendous momentum of raising money and, and helping to make people more aware about ovarian cancer. They have a thing going on, sort of like the old ALS challenge, where they have a, a wall sit challenge. And Alex was the record holder at Mississippi State for the longest wall sit amongst their softball players. And um, now the, the thing that's ongoing is teams all over the country are trying to use that as a rallying cry to raise awareness and to raise money. And that's a tremendous cause, and that's one that I would hope people would get behind. But on a personal level, having had a chance to meet Kenley Johnson and get to know her family, this is one that I'm personally motivated by. It was a great pleasure for me to go on the GoFundMe page and make a donation personally, but it also became a rallying cry. That's why I wrote the uh, blog that I wrote, and that's why I'm asking all of you to take a second and check out that blog. And after you look at those pictures and you read her story, just follow your heart. 
and and do what you can do. So, and Tori, too, with that blog, um, it would be really exciting if everybody took some time to share it, right? So we can reach out to more families and more softball people that might be able to help make a difference for them because, um, you know, that, that kind of thing just spreads so quickly that right. if we take time just to share it, and uh, let's get that story out. Yeah, if uh, if you can share it, that's great. Let's get the ball rolling. Let's uh, you know make it a personal challenge. If if you feel motivated to make that donation, share that blog, and let uh, your friends that you're sharing it with know that you were motivated enough to make a donation. You know, I don't want to uh, put too much pressure on people, but let's put a little pressure on some people. Let's make them think about the fact that everybody can afford to donate five dollars. Everybody can afford to donate ten. And if you can afford to donate a hundred, that's great. But, skip a lunch or whatever. But, yeah, but yeah. A, a dollar is one Diet Mountain Dew. Right. You know, five dollars is what uh, uh, most of us spend at Starbucks easy. for each cup of coffee or easy for a lunch. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, we're, we're not asking you to skip a house payment or to donate a month's salary. I mean, if you can do those kinds of things, that'd be great, too. Um, but if um, the thousands of people who are going to hear about this would all donate a couple of dollars, we can make a huge difference in this family's life. And it just would follow along with the great tradition that I think fast pitch softball has of helping people within our community who need help and this is a family that needs help and i just personally going to challenge everybody if you're hearing this podcast take a second to read the blog again um, it was on our website uh it was posted on september 23rd uh, the title of it is meet the country's toughest softball player and she needs your help. And I think that sums it up very clearly. When you look at the picture of this young girl with the smile on her face, it's going to warm your heart. And if it warms your heart, let's warm up the checkbook. Let's warm up the credit card, get on that GoFundMe page, and do what you can do. So um, that's our topic of the week, the game of fast pitch softball, getting behind causes. And in this case, we got a very personal cause. Kinley Johnson, we are happy that you're doing better and we want to do everything we can to keep you looking forward to playing this great game up next we've got our interview our interview is sponsored by b samson inc b samson inc is our specialists in interior trim they do doors and windows custom closets post and beam ceilings and all kinds of crown molding b samson inc will meet or surpass your woodworking needs and you can reach them at 404 Five six nine five zero three four, and they're located in Loganville, Georgia. So, Don, this idea of you and I sharing our story, I thought that made sense. I think it's a good way for us to let our listeners know a little bit more about you and I. Um, you know, we decided to start Fast Pitch Prep about a year and a half ago, and I'm really proud of the momentum that we're gaining. So let's uh, give people a little glimpse into our history that's awesome i know uh we probably had our paths cross maybe in the early 90s yep. so early 90s and of course we uh coached against you um you know when you were at wisconsin parkside and that was really the beginning of our interaction and uh have always had the utmost respect for for your coaching and your teams and uh, always look forward to those days, but we're nervous of those days because you guys were always really good. But we I'm had a good rivalry. We had a lot of fun back it, then. It was awesome. Yeah. But uh, to hear a little bit more about uh, you know how you actually got into the sport, 
Um, it's a story that uh, I think a lot of a lot of our listeners will probably be excited to hear about. But uh, it started way before the 90s. Is oh, that yeah. right? Yeah. Well, um, my story is a unique one. Um, I started coaching in 1977. And for those of you that are younger and younger than me, which is most of you, uh, back in 1977 is when our high school was just starting sports for girls at the high school level. In 76, they started girls basketball, and that was the first ever sport for girls at our high school. Because girls weren't supposed to be... Right. And, yeah. and back then, that was you know pretty much the... the time that uh, that these big changes started to happen you had title nine legislation and things like that were happening and so uh our high school started uh, uh basketball my freshman year and then my sophomore year or my junior year excuse me they started uh softball track and volleyball and um i was a junior in high school and uh you know played baseball and uh you know didn't really know too much about the politics of what was going on in the community or anything and all of a sudden, I was in gym class one day, and Katie Hamilton, who was my gym teacher at the time, had been chosen to be the first softball coach at Whitnall High School. And Katie and I had a good relationship, but, I mean, we weren't, you know, you know like you know, best friends or anything like that. But she came into class one day and basically proclaimed that uh, she was going to be coaching the softball team and I was going to be helping her. And I didn't really know what to say except knowing Katie you didn't say no to her you were the one yeah and so just a little background on Katie Hamilton when you watch a league of their own at the end of the movie they have the scene where the women are being inducted into the uh, baseball hall of fame and the originals and on top of the actors portraying their characters in the movie there's a bunch of older women who are kind of milling around sort of like the extras in the scene well what a lot of people don't know is every one of those women are former players from the girls professional baseball league and there's a scene in there where you can see katie and her story was you know she you know, played in the girls professional baseball league played for the team in racine and because of that settled in wisconsin got her teaching certificate and was teaching at whitnell high school just outside of milwaukee so katie decided i was going to be her assistant coach and you know, i didn't know much you know, i played high school baseball and it worked out because we played high school baseball in the summer so the spring season for softball i really didn't have much going on so it was you know, something that i could do and uh, really enjoyed you know getting to know more about the game it was fun and exciting and and different um but that's how i got started so in 1977 that was my baptism into coaching and just another thing to kind of give people some perspective shortly after katie asked me to help she asked me to go with her to the school board meeting because the school board was going to be setting the budgets and so uh, we sat there and they kind of started going, you know, line by line through the items. And, you know, it was like you get $500 for buses and, you know, $600 for equipment and $200 for softballs and, you know, $500 for umpires. And then the school board president paused for a second and he looked at Katie and he said, well, we could save some money, couldn't we? If we can just get some fabric, the girls can sew together their own uniforms, can't they? Right. <laughs> and, you know, now we think, oh, my gosh, how could anybody be so thick headed to say something like that? But in 1977, that was not that outlandish. It was not that crazy. Now, you know, Katie, for her, um, to her credit, you know, her response was, no, I'm going to be coaching ball players, not seamstresses. So we'll buy uniforms. And that's we're going to figure it out. That, that was the end of that. Um, and, and again, nobody said no to Katie Hamilton. So the school board president kind of nodded nicely and said, OK, we'll figure out how to get some uniforms, too. But so that's how you know the, the atmosphere was back then. And again, I didn't know anything at all about fast pitch. Uh, you know, I'd 
been around slow pitch softball a little bit, but no background at all with fast pitch. So, Tori, you said you were you were actually still in high school at that point. So you had had a couple of seasons worth of uh, your attendance at high school. Did you continue on and and coach at the high school level even once you'd graduated? Yeah. Well, one of the things that was, again, an interesting sidebar to the whole thing is when we graduated, uh, well, first things first, um, I also met my wife, Terry, because Katie basically asked me to help her coach the team. Terry was on one of the first teams ever um and uh was was an athlete and uh and attended the same high school classmate yeah and so that's how we met each other and uh um long story short you know if uh, when terry passed away we were just short of 35th wedding anniversary so um katie's asking me to help her coach was not just a life-altering moment in that it got me on the coaching path but it introduced me to you know the person that i would spend my entire life with and and you know we have our son chuck who's you know doing great things he's working on his phd down at the university of florida but so after we graduated now again this is 1978 and in 1978 not everybody went to college so my wife terry went to college she was uh, gonna uh, pursue a teaching degree and you know i was sitting there thinking well i can go to college or i can get a job making some money and you know, in 1978 i got a job working in a factory making 15 dollars an hour that's that's which was good big for money that back time. then i mean yeah. 15 dollars an hour is pretty good now it's so so picture way, yeah picture yeah. 40 years ago and and i was you know lured into the idea of you know the money was going to make me happy well, Terry and I got married. I kept working. But in the meantime, she and I both had continued to help Katie with the high school team when we could. Now, I ended up with the, the factory job that I had allowed me to get out early enough in the afternoon that I could go to practice and go to most of the games. And Terry was able to put her school schedule together so that she could be there. And uh, somewhere along the lines, Katie had decided that Terry and I were going to succeed her. So we were going to be the next coaches. So when Terry finished her teaching degree, um, was about the time that Katie was ready to retire. And so the original iteration of our coaching team was Terry was the head coach and I was her assistant because the laws in the state of Wisconsin at the time required you to have a teacher certificate to be, to be a varsity head coach right. and so or at least at the school district that we were at so um so terry was the head coach and i was helping her well after i'd worked at that uh, really terrible factory job making a lot of money for a while you know one day terry you know came to me and said you know that she didn't really think that you know this was the right path for me and and encouraged me to go back to school so i went back to school you know we scraped and scratched and clawed and figured out a way to get it done and so when i finally got my bachelor's in education i then became head coach again and then terry was my assistant which is the the track that we stayed How on the rest of the time. yeah um but uh um so those years of of helping Katie um, really got me off on the track of coaching softball. Um, now, in the meantime, Terry had started playing slow pitch softball, and I also coached her slow pitch team. And so um, got a fast and furious uh, education about coaching women at all different skill levels and all different ages. Um, but we ended up uh, being the um, tag team softball coaches, head coaches at Whitnell High School for nine years and had some success um, and and really accomplished quite a bit. Uh, but uh, um, eventually I started getting the itch uh, to, to find out think what's about next. doing something else. Yeah. Um, but it wasn't really something that I had a plan for. You know, I didn't really know how to get to be a college coach. 
as you know, my experience had been high school coach and assistant coach, and then you know some travel pitch, ball, slow slow pitch stuff. Pitch, yeah. um, but uh, again, just you know another interesting twist. Um, the last couple of years that we coached at Whitnell High School, um, we had the good fortune of having a tremendous pitcher, somebody who you know really well, Wendy, Wendy Wolf. Wendy Wolf, you bet. Um, and uh, Wendy was an interesting story. Um, she had never thrown a pitch until her sophomore year of high school and became good enough, fast enough, that the University of Wisconsin Parkside and the coach there, Linda Draft, had recruited her and offered her a scholarship. Well, the summer uh, before Wendy was to become a freshman, Linda was offered the opportunity to retire from coaching to become the athletic director. And at the time, it was a big career move and, and something that she wanted to do. So she retired from coaching to become the full-time athletic director. Well, Wendy was heartbroken because she loved Linda. And I had gotten to know Linda very well. Linda and I became really good friends. And uh, uh, Linda had decided to retire. Wendy was still going to Wisconsin Parkside. And sometime that summer, while we were working on her pitching, Wendy comes up to me and says, I think you should apply for the job at Parkside. And I looked at her like she had you know, grown an extra eyeball in her forehead or something. Like, Wendy, there's no so way. How am I going to do that? Yeah, there's no way in God's green earth I'm getting this job. I'm just a high school coach. And she's like, well, no, no, I think you should apply. I want you to. And she pretty much guilted me into applying for the job. And, uh, you know, lo and behold, a couple of weeks later, Linda called me and said she wanted me to come down to interview. And I basically told her, you don't need to do this because we're friends. You know, don't waste your time. I know I'm not really, you know, a, a candidate. I'm, you know, certainly not ready to be a college coach. I don't know enough. And she stopped me and she said, how many pitches did Wendy Wolf throw in her career before she was a sophomore? And I said, zero. And she said, in two years, you helped her become successful enough and good enough that I offered her a scholarship. So you took a player with no pitching experience, and between the two of you and, and the work that you two did, she became somebody that I wanted to recruit. Trust me, you know enough to be a college coach. She's a college powerhouse. Yeah, and, she and, was and awesome. Parkside had been tremendous in the NAI days and had just uh, been in the process of transitioning into Division Two. So I went down there and interviewed, and everything went well. And, you know, of course, I didn't realize at the time that part of the reason I was such a strong candidate is the job paid so little that the right. pool of candidates was pretty small. <laughs> um, but so Terry and I sat down and we talked about it, and it was you know a long and difficult discussion because you know basically I was going to be giving up you know the idea of being a high school teacher and high school coach for the chance of being a college coach. And basically we came up with a plan that we were going to you know do it for a couple of years, and if it was going to be successful, we'd know, and if it wasn't, then that was going to be that. Sure. So, um, so but it's to me how you know different people have impacts on your life. And, and for me, you know, the impactful people in my life have really been have been women, you know, from Katie Hamilton to Terry telling me to go back to school to Linda Draft offering me a job to Wendy Wolf being the you know player who um, convinced me that I was capable of coaching at a higher level and that I was a better coach than I probably really thought I was. And so, um, you know, all those things conspired to getting me to the college level. No, I think that's uh, that's awesome. So at that point, you were 
no longer in the factory? Yeah, no, I'd, uh, uh, when I went back to school, I, went, I stopped working in the factory and, and went back to school. And uh, we, we lived off of the money we had in the bank and the good nature of Terry's a family and there. a little bit yep. here, a little part-time job there. Um, but we scraped through. And so, um, you know, having the goal of being a high school teacher and high school coach, you know, seemed like a reasonable path. And then the idea of being a college coach definitely, you know, came out of, really kind of came out of left field. Nobody expected it, but it definitely launched us on a different trajectory. Now, often too, uh, college coaches end up teaching classes. Did, did either you or Terry or both? You know, end I, up teaching I did. Classes? When, uh, um, when we started at Parkside, um, Terry had, uh, um, given up teaching and was working uh, in her father's dental office as a receptionist and assistant and those kinds of things. And uh, so she had some flexibility in her schedule thanks to, you know, to that situation. And, uh, um, and I was working at, uh, at uh, Parkside also doing some substitute teaching and uh, teaching some classes and doing everything we could to, you know, to make ends meet. And then eventually I was promoted to a full-time position at Parkside, but the full-time position at Parkside was head softball coach, head of athletic facilities, and um, instruction. So there was was a slash this, slash that, and this, and and that. And and of course, you know, back then, you know, that's what a lot of people did. You know, there, there were not that many professional college softball coaches who were getting paid to just coach. It wasn't like the football. Yeah, football we're talking coaches, 1993, yeah. 1994, 1995. Um, you know, the vast majority of coaches were still teachers who got to coach. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. you know, and, and even some of the legends of our game now were still teaching in the classroom while they were coaching. And so uh, when that change happened was you know, a powerful thing. But for the longest time, and still today, there's an awful lot of softball coaches at the college level that are teaching classes. Auxiliary or, jobs. Or working yep. on the field or working in admissions or doing something besides just coaching. So, but so my, you know, I went and interviewed for the job at Parkside. Linda called and offered me the job. Terry and I figured out a way to make it work. And because we were fortunate, the timing again, at that point in time, Big Ten softball was almost non-existent. There was one other school in the state of Wisconsin at University of Wisconsin, Green Bay, and UW Parkside were the only schools that were able to offer scholarships. And so we were able to put together a really good team with almost all Wisconsin kids right away. All the best and, talent local. And, and it yeah. worked out you know, tremendously in you know, the run that we had when Parkside and, and KSU were you know, two of the top dogs in Division Two and competing against each other. Um, that team for me was almost all Wisconsin kids. That's and, awesome. Yeah. Um, you know, and they were just you know hardworking kids that you know that wanted to play, and and but we had some really talented kids. You know, uh, not too long ago, I did that blog about my all-time list of the best players I've ever coached, and people, some of the people who read it were a little bit shocked to see that so many of my best players ever were all on that team. Some of the originals, yeah. right? But the reality of it is, if Jackie Aiken was playing today. We'd be raving about her on ESPN at the College World Series. If Wendy Wolf was playing today, we'd be talking about her like they talk about Kelly Barnhill. Right. You know, I mean, you know, that's, you know, and, and again, you that's know, others, was, yeah, right. and, and other schools, you know, KSU and Cal and other people had players like that also back then. It was just a different time. But so that's how I, you know, got that uh, uh, big boost. And, uh, and, and we were able to put together a really good program at Parkside. Um, never quite got the national championship i'm still a little bit bitter about the fact that uh, my two best friends in the coaching oh, business no, no. <laughs> my, my two best friends in the coaching business each won two 
national championships back to back while I was finishing third and fifth and second and ninth and things like that. But you know, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of over it now, you know, 20 years later. But uh, so, so Parkside was my first college job. Um, I was there for seven years um, and we, we had tremendous success. Um, but the reality of it was the idea of spending the rest of my career having to cut grass and paint bleachers and do maintenance on tractors and and that kind of thing had you, started to wear a little thin you say all that too and then also too the weather the weather up there and and i know that the the snow the season kind of being in the transition from winter to spring um had to be a huge uh challenge and then very uh exciting to to think about coming south right yeah well we would never schedule a home game until like mid-april right yeah, yeah i know you yeah. always made early trips and came down and yeah. beat up on us and, early and the, in the thing year. that was always so funny about that you know people would say well how do you get ready to play well there's things that you can do inside really well and so i think part of the reason we had such strong hitting teams was because we spent so much time in the cage and in the you know, in the gym doing drills that hitting was something that we were really good at. You can pitch effectively in the gym. Now it's a little bit different, you know, being on a hard floor than out in the dirt. But you know, you can still work on it enough to be pretty Get good it at it. Yeah. Um, and the defensive part of it, you know, if the kids are talented and all our kids were, even though you're not getting tons and tons of repetition of the ball, you know, getting hit to you on a field or or fly balls hit hit high in the air. Um, you can still prepare yourself to play pretty well. But I'll tell you, too, when, when you stay bottled up indoors for so long, when you do get a chance to get down south and go to a, a tournament in Florida or, or hang out at Kennesaw with us, it was probably uh, they were they were ready, charged yeah. up and ready to go. Yeah. And then uh, from uh, Parkside, my next uh, job was at uh, Tennessee Tech University and was there for a very long time, had uh, a lot of success and a lot of fun. And then I finished my college career up at Kennesaw State. And then now, as you know, you know we're, we're both in the professional instructor instruction realm. Um, you know, I, I really enjoyed coaching at the college level. I have a lot of great memories and a lot of great players that played for me, but there's a lot of things that I do not miss now that I'm on the outside kind of looking in. Um, I enjoyed recruiting, but I did not enjoy the thousands of hours you would have to spend. And especially the last few years when early recruiting was such a prevalent thing in, in, softball recruiting you know watching 12 year olds and 13 year olds and trying to predict in my mind what they were going to be in five or six or seven years was something that i just didn't enjoy very much and i don't think i was very good at so i think too when you're when you're in that mode you kind of get lost in it and just it's a grind but you that's all you know so you just go and do it and and it's kind of hard until you leave it to figure out you know what it really entailed right and so now you know i've got the good fortune i'm doing instructional work i work at uh, elite sports academy um, which is in lawrenceville georgia and then obviously the stuff that we're doing with fast pitch prep and and trying to you know build fast pitch prep and and share our knowledge you know the time that we spend working on fast pitch prep is something that i look forward to you know uh, writing the blogs and sharing my information you know one of the things that's most attractive to me and when i sit down to write a blog i know it's out there for whoever wants to read it. So instead of trying to share my knowledge with, you know, 18 or 20 or 22 kids at a time, you know, the kids that are on your team, now I get a chance to share that knowledge with whoever wants to click on the website, whoever wants to, you know, look at one of the social media posts. And I've gotten so much positive feedback from that, you know, people will stop and 
ask questions or they'll, you know, hey, that was a great, uh, you know, post. I really enjoyed reading that. Oh, hey, you hit the nail right on the head. And so that part I've really enjoyed. And I'm, I'm looking forward to the future. You know, the, the podcast is a lot of fun and that's um, something that I think we're both really enjoying. So so my my history is a little bit different. The path I took to get to college softball is is a unique one. But, uh, uh, you know, I, I look back with a lot of positive memories and a lot of fond memories and, and looking forward to the future. No, I think that's uh, that's exciting to to hear the path you'd taken. And um... well, it's a little bit unique. I will say that, <laughs> you know, how many, how many people get started in their career because somebody looks at you and says, you're going to do this. <laughs> And you're not in a position to argue. So, so you're the one. <laughs> yeah, you're the one. So, um, but uh, so that's my story. Hope people enjoyed hearing how I got into coaching. Um, and uh, uh, we're looking forward to what the future holds for Fast Pitch Prep. Coming up next, we're going to finish up today's episode with our coaching tip of the week. Coach Don wants to share with you his thoughts on conditioning. Don? So with the conditioning stuff, uh, this time of year, many of my students are just finishing up their, the younger ones, their Metro seasons or their feeder ball, uh, teams, the high school kids are, you know, those teams each week are getting cut in half and it's time for everybody to, to figure out what we're going to do for the next couple months. And, you know, many of them are playing on travel ball teams and they continue to work hard and, uh, do a lot of things in regards to, uh, their outside skills, um, but for the ones that are really ambitious and, and want to do some extra things, I encourage them to, to do some light things at home. Don't have to go to CrossFit. Don't have to, you know, be involved with a, a weight trainer or anything like that necessarily to have some good things happen uh, between now and our next season. So what I encourage our students to do is to grab a calendar and pick a couple of days during the week, maybe a Tuesday and a Thursday, and really focus on doing a good job training their core. That would be their abs and their lower back, um, and their forearms. So, you know, their hand strength and their core strength, I think are things that they can, uh, train and have a huge impact in their in their off-season workouts between now and springtime um, to really enhance their skills and if we think about uh, all the movements that we have in in our fast pitch game you know rotating obviously for hitting is a big thing but pitchers can gain a lot of uh, core strength and and put a couple miles on their fastball or on their pitch speeds um their wrist snaps you know both for hitting handling and and managing a a bat barrel 30 inches or 32 inches away from our hands the stronger their hands are the more likely we're going to be able to maneuver and manipulate that bat barrel well but uh to take that calendar and sketch out uh just a light routine that they can do in 15 or 20 minutes and sketch it out for a month if they do that particular workout for that day they get to highlight the calendar um you know if they need to skip a day or move it they can move it on their calendar but at the end of that month they need to look back at that calendar and if we've got a whole bunch of highlights then we know we've been doing a good job but if we look back and and see that we uh neglected or missed or skipped or didn't do any of those workouts uh then we can kind of kick ourselves in the backside and make sure that we do a better job for the next month but it's important for us to take advantage of this time between now and spring because we're not going to be able to get it back you know if we wait a week or two and uh you know don't move forward in that regard then uh you know then we're really kind of falling behind someone else might be there's that saying uh, that uh, if you're not training and somebody else is when when you face them 
on the field, that person that's been doing the work is going to beat you every time. It's going to show. And there's no shortcut to it. So, Don, I appreciate that insight. I think, uh, players, hopefully you are uh, getting involved with something that's going to prepare you physically to be able to perform to your highest levels. And uh, as, as Coach Don mentioned, you know, you don't need to be spending a ton of time and money in a gym setting. Sometimes you can uh, come up with a lot of different ways to get a pretty good little workout in. I saw an app not too long ago called the 7-Minute Workout which sure. was basically 20 seconds on, 10 seconds off for seven minutes. It was push-ups, it was crunches, it was plank, it was those kinds of things. It all adds up. Yeah, that, that you don't need any equipment. All you just need is enough room to spread out and, and lay down on the floor so you can do a couple of push-ups. So, um, so that's this week's episode of Everything Fast Pitch, sponsored by Fast Pitch Prep. For our sponsors, All Clear Plumbing and B. Sampson, Inc., we thank you for listening. If you have comments, questions, or suggestions, please feel free to reach out to us at any time at fastpitchprep at gmail.com. We need your input. We need your nominations for Players of the Week. If you have a player that you would like to nominate for the Player of the Week award, please send us an email with their name um, and a little bit of information, You know, maybe a few statistics or something that will tell us a little bit about why you believe they are a good candidate for the award, and we will recognize that player uh, by naming them as our Fast Pitch Prep Player of the Week. They get a cool little t-shirt out of the deal. And uh, and we'd be happy to um, recognize any players that, that, that uh, you believe and feel are worthy candidates. We're also looking for topics and suggestions uh, for the podcast and or for the blogs. So if you have any ideas, things that you're curious about or questions you would like us to answer, we're always looking for those too. As always, please like us, share us, follow us, do everything you can um, to help spread the word about Fast Pitch Prep. We're available on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And as I asked earlier in this podcast please check out the gofundme page for kinley johnson if you can please make a donation the johnson family needs our help and we would love to see the fast pitch community rally behind them so for our producer bull ray this is coach tory and coach don in the cherokee batting range podcast studio saying thank you for listening this week